When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, we have no audio. Yeah, it that's says. sort of why I stopped right there. Okay. Um, testing, testing. Can the audience hear us out there? <laughs> Darkness, Donovan, someone send me a bat signal. If well, I think we're on a little bit of a delay here, so we'll. we'll yeah. I think we're. I think we're good to go. But no, I am. I'm a complete nervous wreck. Uh, baseball's way too random. One game. You know, I think there's a lot going for the, the Phillies. You know, they've got. I think the pitching edge, home field, yada yada yada. Nervous wreck. Everything is chaos. Um. But we have that other team to talk about. Like we always mention, it's not the fact that, um, you know, we're always the downer podcast, but we might was... want to talk about the Phillies for a bit just to make sure the audio stabilizes. So no, I think, I think we're here. We're, <laughs> get, we're getting enough comments here in the chat that I think we are okay, good to go. There, there we go. I think that we are good to go. We did have a report. No here. twist. Uh, the, the silence was not intentional. Like how the Sixers would respond to the trash Knicks offer, but I, I like where your head's at. You're making excuses for us already. So we're off to a, a flying so start. About that offer, there was a report this morning from Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer that said that the Knicks are willing to offer a package that includes three key players. I'm going to put key in a little bit of quotation marks. That's my own editing there. With Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and Evan Fournier, uh, and Mitchell Robinson, all available in exchange for Joel Embiid, uh, the trio uh, would be paired with two or three first-round picks. Kyle, you ready to uh, you ready to pull the trigger on that one? So let's put it this way: the Knicks obviously have no incentive to leak that they are going to trade guys who they actually want to keep on the team, right? It's right. If we're getting into the the politicking of NBA trade offers, we would say, let's say in a theoretical world, the Bucks had not traded for Dame, and Giannis is comments in the summertime are still out there where he's saying, well, I just want to win. I want everyone to be on the same page about winning. If the Sixers were trying to make a move for Giannis and were telling people that they're trying to make a move for Giannis, they would not lead with, oh yeah, we're going to we'll, like we'll give up Tyrese Maxey. Because right. if that falls through, you're screwed. And Jaden Springer and all our yep. good picks and, and everything else. So part of this is just how the game goes, right? If Jason Tatum became available tomorrow, it would be the same thing. Oh, 
the Knicks might be able to give up Julius Randle, a former all-star. Like They're going to start with the guys who make a lot of money, who they don't love, who they don't necessarily want on the team long-term, rather than the guys that they feel are their building block players. And that's just gonna kind of how it goes. You guys, if it, a team outside of the Knicks gets interested in Joel Embiid or is interested in Joel Embiid, we're not going to hear like, hey, Portland can't wait to trade Scoot Henderson in order to get Embiid or the Thunder are going to give up Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Right. Go down the list. So that's where we start. But I do think this Knicks thing is just not going to go away in sure. general because the connections are there. And I don't know if it's anything beyond Leon Rose and wanting to draw that line because Joel had him as well, his agent previously. I think there's, but there's the connections are there and that that's part of it. I think an overstated part of it, but people love that connection for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, I think they have a lot of assets to trade and have enough assets that they could dump a whole lot into while still having a, some talent around Embiid, which is, I think what you always need in a superstar acquisition. Like you can't gut your team just to have a superstar who's going to become unhappy, you're just creating a situation he theoretically, and this is completely hypothetical, that he tried to get out of. So I think they fit for a lot of those reasons, but the offer as presented and the rumor as presented is pretty close to nonsense. It's pretty close to shut the hell up and go away, right. the New York Knicks. So there's, first of all, it's not news that the Knicks are interested of course they're interested. The Knicks' interest has never been the key part of the equation here. It's whether Joel Embiid wants out and whether the Six would be interested in trading him. That hasn't changed. So I'm not entirely sure why this... Like, are we just going to start reporting every team that would cobble together a trade package for Joel Embiid? Like, what are we doing here? Outside of trying to get attention, which is a little too much of the point of this job than I would like, but it is what it is. Certainly that is always a consideration. Derek, I made you wear an accountant's visor yesterday if you want to talk about trying to get attention. So that's... I, that wasn't my idea, nor was <laughs> I comfortable with it. So my point stands. <laughs> but the other question is like, that's a dog shit offer. Like when you start going down the contracts of Randall and Barrett, like you would need to throw in a first round pick or two just for me to take on those contracts. So you're not even really trading... Joel Embiid for any kind of value. So what are we doing here? Why are on the eve, not the official eve, but two days I mean, before, this is the day that the actual NBA season is right. starting. Like, why it's not throwing, Sixers' eve. Why but. are we throwing together a hypothetical trade package that a team would make for the, the reigning MVP? That's terrible. Like, this is not news. It's uh, like, and honestly, I have questions over why it was reported in the first, like, again, attention. I get it. But like, still, there's more things to talk about. But even more specifically, I'm, I'm curious, like, why would anyone even want this leaked? Like, you point out, like, yes, they're not going to include their prime young players because there is relationship management there. But, like, what's the point of bringing this out? It's not like Joel Embiid's going to go, oh, man, a team's interested in trading me. There's so much dysfunction in Philly. Get me out of here. Like, that's <laughs> not going to happen. And clearly the Sixers aren't. Like, what? why does this even get leaked in the first place? I really don't know who benefits from it. Again, I, I agree with your point that there are people who won't be mentioned because there's relationships to manage, but I also just don't even get like the whole point of this thing. I understand where you're coming from. I Look, it's a lot of season preview type stuff. Whether we like it or not, and the fan base certainly doesn't like it, Joel's happiness and Joel's willingness to stick this out is one, the storyline going into the year. Like I know we've talked about James way more, 
but that's subtext well, underneath the broader and plot And that's something point we agree with. Like we've talked about yeah. that a lot here in the month For leading sure. up to the season. It's a it's a topic you can't avoid because history in the NBA is just you it's it's something to worry about. It always will be. I was waiting for the butt. It sounded like you wanted to add a butt there. No, like I, I think it's pretty, it's easy to maybe sometimes talk about that too much, but you can't ignore it because it's just like, I will worry about that until either Joel Embiid asks out because at that point the reality has come or he retires. Like you'll be worried about that until one of those two things happen. Yeah. So now let's get into who, what is actually offered here. Julius Randle is, I guess the best of that bunch, right? Is that fair to say? Sure. That's damning with faint praise. I, I, mean, I probably like Mitchell the most as an asset, but Randall yeah, is a better player. If you're player. factoring yeah, yeah, yeah. contracts in, I think Mitchell is definitely top of that list. Not that that's really saying much, but Randall, best current player and a guy who you do not want as a foundational piece of the team, I don't think. Nope, I agree. RJ Barrett's going to be making $30 million, I guess, at some point in a couple years. Not even 100% sure what he's good at on the basketball court. I mean, he's a decent to good defender. Of, yeah, I think. He, and he does a he has a bunch of skill sets that are intriguing, but none of them that are really bankable right now. Yeah, he's young. I guess is probably the best selling point for him. But he's young I mean, and he's, he's can't 20, shoot yeah. and has honestly all his problems that he has right now. He had when he was at Duke and was still being valued as a top of the draft type player. And Fournier is like to call him a, a key player within this context is genuinely insane because he was a healthy out of the lineup guy last year. Yeah. I think he played, I want to say it's like 27, 23, 27, less than 30 games last year. And I think there might have been, I don't know, let's say four or five games that he missed that were personal reasons. And those personal reasons might have been him being pissed at Tom Thibodeau that he wasn't playing him. It yeah. was not like, I don't know that for sure, but he was out of the rotation because Tibbs is like, I'm fucking done with this guy. And in the very limited minutes that he played last year, I think he shot probably 33, 37, something like that percent from the field as an offense first guy who gets absolutely destroyed on the defensive end. And, oh, by the way, if we're saying, hey, this could happen during the season, which is the only reason you would bring it up right now, two days before the season, he has a team option and the next year that any team that has him is going to decline because he's not worth yep. $19 million into the future. So other than Mitchell Robinson, who I think is a decent player on a pretty good contract, the rest of that is just dog shit. And if we're looking at it from – Let's just get down the road and say they have to consider offers because Joel's pissed and everything is falling apart and whatever. This is not the type of trade that you're making if you're moving Joel. You are probably deconstructing the entire team and franchise. I don't get the sense from the Sixers if they had to trade him that they're going to take some middle road. No. Hey, we're going to take a couple of like 28-year-old, yes. 29, 30-year-old players and win 42 games every year and go back to the exact thing they tried to avoid when they started the process to begin with. Joel Embiid could spend a month straight holding up Daryl Morey as a liar signs while calling Philadelphia garbage and moving back to Cameroon until he's traded. They would get more for him than this trade package right now. I just don't know why it's brought up. Uh, I don't know why a team be being willing to make a trade for the MVP is news 
that is the cycle that we live in. And again, I'm not this, we, I'll never dismiss if things go completely sideways, the concern with Embiid is always going to be there. Again, not that he's given any hint, but because it's impossible to avoid, I will not dismiss New York as a potential trade partner because of reasons I mentioned before about them having assets, about them having a lot of draft capital, about them having talent they can keep around with him. That's just, this ain't it. The report ain't it. The timing ain't in. The, the <laughs> fact that freaking New York is interested, isn't it? Like, none of it is it. I don't, I can't believe we're here. Well, but Not that's here, I mean, it's a bigger picture. That's kind of where they've put themselves though, right? Between James Harden and all the assets that have been burned. I know, I, I take your point, Derek. I understand we would like to not talk about this oh, no, stuff. I understand why we're talking about it. I just don't know why this conversation, like the report was. Why today? Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I just, I live in this world and see it for what it is. It's like, this is going to be, and maybe not an everyday concern in the way that Harden is right now, but this is going to be a constant until or unless the Sixers are able to break through in the playoffs because at a certain point, you know, they've paid Joel all the money they can pay him. They've made a ton of different trades. I mean, they moved Ben Simmons for Harden. They pushed their chips in previously to get Jimmy Butler and Tobias and even signing out Horford as a compliment, but also semi-backup for Joel. And they've done all these things. And there are only so many moves you make as a franchise before the star player wakes up oh, one sure. day and says, time's up. And so I get it. It's really obnoxious for this to happen or for this to be reported and talked about leading into a new season that I think Derek and I have gotten increasingly excited for How could the closer you not, we get to. Did you to, not see Jaden Springer? Of course we are. Course which we we'll are. probably talk about him at some point on this podcast just to cleanse the palate a little bit. But this is the world that we're going to live in unless one of two things happens. One Daryl pulls some crazy James Harden trade out of thin air that we're not expecting right now. Or two, whoever they have left, whether that's Maxi making the leap to stardom or whatever they get back for James coalescing around Joel and turning them into a real contender, this threat is out there. And the Knicks, on their part, are going to try to remind people of that over and over and over and over again because the louder they make it, the more it seeps into Joel's head, the people, and I wouldn't even say Joel's head, but the people around him, the people who advise him, his friends, his family, the more they think about it, the more it creeps into his mind and the more unstable the situation will get. That's why I would say it's likely out there. No, look, this is the reality of the NBA. I'm not, like, we're going to have this conversation a lot. I agree. My ire is more directed at this specific report not being newsworthy, not that Joel Embiid's potential future availability isn't newsworthy. We saw this with Giannis a couple of years ago when they, you know, I don't want to say made a panic trade for Drew, but probably overpaid for Drew at that point, given yeah. what the market was. Like, we weren't used to seeing teams trade two or three future first-round picks for non-superstars. It worked out for them. They won the title. We saw Milwaukee get pressured into another trade to help appease Giannis. Like this is the, the the reality of having a top five player in the NBA today. And we've spent a little bit of time talking about how this is a little bit of a byproduct of CBA changes. It is, but player movement is like, if, if you didn't do this to curb player, you know, superstars leaving in free agency with everything from bird rights to, you know, super maxes and whatnot. Well, then you would, you wouldn't be worried about them demanding a trade. Maybe you'd be worried about them walking in free agency. You're always going to wor worry about losing the one thing that makes you relevant. And for the Sixers, 
it's almost quite literally been one thing making them relevant for the last seven years, that concern is always going to be there. So I'm not going to say we shouldn't have a conversation about Joel. We'll probably have more than I think most people want us to because you can't avoid it. This very specific report is just, I don't, I don't get what Okay, why don't here. you decompress with the ad read and then we'll get back to some more of this nonsense. All right. So I, rather than tell you about nonsense, I'll tell you about <laughs> something that is fantastic. We have a couple of boxes of Hero Bread out there in the lobby. Uh, I finally get a chance to try a couple more. It's all been wonderful. Um, really, I think like, you know, if you're, especially like me, like I've, uh, they, they, for some reason put this face in front of a camera. I still don't entirely know what they were thinking because you know, they saw you. Hey, well, I'm gonna give Derek some right. credit. He put some work in. He he always tells me I don't drink my calories. He switched to Diet yeah. Coke. Yeah. He's made these changes. Derek's looking trim. You know, well, we, we put ourselves fell through off the, the wagon a little bit there. But for a couple of years, there I was in a pretty good path. But if you're like me, you know, especially like I said, now that I'm in front of camera, you may not be counting carbs per se, but you're always looking, you know, to get a, a healthier diet, more fiber or protein in your diet. Um, Hero Bread is fluffy. It's delicious. It's flavorful. Every every flavorful, every different kind that I've tried, it has really hit the spot. It's high fiber, has low net carbs with zero grams of sugar per slice. Hero makes sliced bread, buns, tortillas that are available at hero.co and Amazon with fewer calories than the leading national brand and five to 10 grams of protein per serving. Again, there's all kinds of different flavors. Um, I really think you should go check it out. Just whatever your, your predisposition is, however you like to consume your bread, check it out. All of them is tasty. All of them Good for you. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to hero.co and use code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's hero, H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. All right. And I'm here to tell you about our good friends with Soul Savvy. Soul Savvy is a place where you, you will not miss out on every big sneaker drop on the Soul Savvy Drops app. They've been around since 2018. It's a giant sneaker community, and their mission has always stayed the same. That's to get sneakers into the hands of people who love them most. I won't show you the sneakers that I'm wearing because they're from prior to me being part of the Soul Savvy community. I don't want to put them to shame, but they, they're hands-on helping you get the shoes that you want. The Drops by Soul Savvy app makes it easy to keep up with all the latest news, releases, raffles, and sales in the sneaker world. It's a one-stop shop for everything sneakers. Sneakers, excuse me. I do talk professionally, I swear. <laughs> Drop alerts are on instant notification, so you'll never miss a release again. You get instantly notified whenever your size is available to buy, not just when sneakers are available to buy. There's free raffle management, so you can keep track of all the raffles that happen in sneakers with the raffle tracker. And there's a release calendar that's accurate, up-to-date, on the releases that are upcoming. So whether you're a casual buyer or an all-out sneakerhead, Soul Savvy has something for you with three different levels. There's basic, which is free, and then there's mobile plus or premium. I'm part of the premium crew, and I will tell you, they've been really hands-on with me. I'm in their Slack. I get personal message messages from the Soul Savvy team, and they've pointed me in the right direction for Jordans, Nikes, New Balances, all kinds of new sneaker releases. It's really cool, and... So you can grow your collection and the world's biggest paid sneaker community. So sign up for Soul Savvy by visiting links.soulsavvy.com slash P-H-L-Y or by downloading the Drops by Soul Savvy app. I have multiple Soul Savvy apps on my phone. There is the Drops app. There is also the Collect app, which I'm a big fan of having 
been in the marketplace for a little bit. So I'd highly recommend you guys check it out. We should, uh, we should have a couple of shows where we move the, the lower third when you have all of your soul set savvy shoes and you can show them off. I, I got to get my hands on some, some new sneakers. I feel like I default to just plain white all the time. Got to accessorize well, a little bit. Well, aren't you supposed you know? to be the fashionable one of the two? Uh, I don't know about fashionable. <laughs> I don't know how high the bar is that we're going to set I here, mean, it's very... Like, <laughs> I actually said to Derek earlier, he was wearing a Bluetooth earpiece sort of deal, listening to some audio. I was like, man, Derek, you're taking me back to, what was it? I said 2004 Yeah. when people would just have an earpiece, but they only called it, oh, that's my Bluetooth. Yeah. And that was a, you were a cool guy for a while, or at least people thought they were cool. No, I, I, I just, I find them more comfortable um, than the earpods. And I just, I, I like having physical buttons. I don't know. I'm old school like that. Fair enough. Uh, we had a RC, I believe, Andrew, if you could scroll up a little bit. He said, if Joe is on the move. SGA is the guy, but they would want to have SGA and Embiid together. So a I want to use that to one MVP candidate for the other. That correct. Never happens. So I want to make a, a broader point here. The issue with trading someone like Joel Embiid, and the reason I push back on people who are like they should trade him early and trade him now during the off season instead of you wait a year, you wait two years, whenever until you might be unhappy and want out. You're still not getting that type of guy or anything close to that type of guy right now. You're basically best case scenario if you try to be an early mover on Embiid. And to be clear, the Sixers are not going to be. Is you get somebody like James Harden leaving Oklahoma City where it's someone who could get put into a bigger role and maybe ascend to stardom. You are not getting a star back for a right. player like Joel. You need somebody who's a diamond in the rough, who hasn't been discovered yet, and you would essentially need Daryl Morey to pull the James Harden trick twice in one career. I would say that's highly, highly unlikely. So you're basically just hoping and praying that the avalanche of draft picks that you would demand for Joel would one day get you a player that comes close to him. And that's the problem with entertaining any Joel trade to me is that you can't get present day value and all the future value is theoretical. I agree. And, and again, you can be Joel Embiid can do like go complete scorched earth. Assuming he's healthy. If he requests out a year from now, you can get more value than this trade. It's just, especially when you put him on, even if he goes, I only want to go to New York, which again, I don't think there's like much of a risk of that, but even if he does that, you can extract more than this. It's, it's I, I just, I, I don't, that was a shocker. <laughs> a shocker on multiple fronts, I would say. And, I do agree with you in the sense that I really did come out of just nowhere and nothing where it's not like Joe has been up at the podium saying, oh, I'm unhappy with things here or I can't believe how they're handling the James situation. It's been right. And in the times we've talked to him, it's a lot of and, I'm focused on who's here. And that report could come out at any point over the summer. Like, it's not like the Knicks woke up this morning and go, you know who we should get? <laughs> Joel I think we'd be interested in trading for Joel Embiid. Like, I just don't get, I don't get what we're doing. Well, um, you mean Leon Rose didn't all of a sudden have a, an epiphany and say, he never even um, heard of the guy before. First, first time for everything. You know, I, I hear that number 21 in Philadelphia might have a future right. in the NBA. <laughs> Literally his former agent. We saw him at, at pretty much every home game. Yeah. Um, all right. Did you have any more thoughts on the trade that won't be, or should we move on with life? I don't I guess like is there a team that you could identify that let's say six months a year two years down the road 
who is the team that if Derek Bonner puts his GM hat on, and he's got his Philly hat on right now, so I, I might have to pull out another prop or something. If you put, if you were trying to identify who would be the team that you would want to trade him to because of what they have to offer, who is it? I mean, I think OKC is the one that almost everyone's going to just the they boatload just have of picks, a boatload of picks, and the you know not only do they have SGA, which again off the table in a superstar trade, but a whole a whole bunch of young talent that i think is going to be fun to watch um yeah we got ronald in the chat hating on sga saying he's put up great scoring numbers but where has he brought okc buddy i would check the ages of every single guy on that team that's young guys don't win the fact that they were on the fringes of the playoffs last mm-hmm. year is really good we're going to get into some league-wide stuff i think i don't i can't speak for Derek, but i'm expecting a pretty sizable jump from they okc could win this year 45 games this year and i wouldn't be shocked I think they could win 50 and I wouldn't be if shocked. If everything breaks right. But your point about the age, or as, as Brett used to call it, the birth, you can't expedite, expedite the birth certificate. I think there might be a little bit of that in trying to get them to 50 wins. But when you talk about adding like Chet to that team, like uh, they're going to be I mean, a monster. Because that's what they like. I mean, they basically played without a big man yep. for most of the year. They had Darius Baisley playing center at times. They had the other Jalen Williams playing center and, Ideally, he wouldn't be uh, your true rim protector there. So. And big men are one of the things where, like, for the most part, I think almost every young player is a net negative defender and usually, like, really bad. Even a good young players, even a good defensive young players. The one exception is a rim protecting big. When you can just go hunt blocks, you know, patrol the paint, uh, really dissuade drivers, and use that athleticism to your advantage, you know, before it starts wearing on you a little bit, uh, I we can talk about that with Wemby. We can talk about that with Chet. Like, I think that's going to be a real, real good team. Yeah. And their strength too, is that they have so much depth that I think if they were to, if Oklahoma city makes a star trade, it doesn't even have to be Joel. They can sacrifice several good role players and still have good role players probably left over after that. I mean, Dort and Jalen Williams around SGA, you do have Chet that, I think Chet is a bigger piece than those guys individually because of, you know, his blue chip prospect status, even after the injury. But yeah, I mean, they're as prepared as anybody is to push all their chips in really the only concern I would say for them is like, does the guy want to be there that you eventually trade for? Because I mean, that would be a factor with Joel, but anybody else too, like Oklahoma city, it's hard to keep free agents there. Honestly, one of the biggest upsets of all time. Paul I know George. that it fell apart, but yeah, yeah, Paul George signing that extension with them, Russell Westbrook essentially convincing him to stay. And then, you know, it lasted, what, another year before yep. it all went to hell. But that was, to me, that shows a ton about Russell Westbrook as a, a personality and a guy people wanted to play with previously, but maybe not anymore. Jacob in the chat mentioned that if OKC wins 50 games, people have to, have to actually learn how to pronounce their coach's name. That will be brought up later on in the podcast. Yes, Maybe not specifically uh, the pronunciation of it, but yeah. So okay, I think OKC number one, and then is there even a close second? I guess they're just the I sleeping mean, giant. Right the now. Knicks are close just because, like I said, they have the draft capital. They have the pieces that they can put around him and still com- field a competitive team. I would have to sit down and think about it a lot more. Honestly, I forget where a lot of the picks reside because people trade them so freely <laughs> lately. Uh, so I'd have to see which team just has a real stockpile of draft picks, but those are the two that are pretty close. To they also just got two second round picks to 
cut Kevin Porter Jr. Right. essentially. Well, cut and pay him, but yeah. that was talk about some real money laundering going on there. But to your point, it's going to be, you know, which teams have the most first round picks that they're willing to trade. Or it, it would be if this came to pass. I saw some people bring up Orlando. I guess the problem with Orlando is who are they giving up player wise? Right. What's their, what's their future draft picks uh, status? I honestly don't know how many picks they own. They have a lot of interesting players, but like you're not getting any of their big men, and that's really where the interest lies. Like, I mean, the number Wagner one guy you'd want to get is Franz Wagner, yeah, I think, that. and you're not getting him. That's the whole point would be play Joel with a guy like that. Maybe you could get uh, Markel Fultz back for Joel Embiid. Can you imagine if they made a trade with the Magic and that's the end product of it? I will say, I don't know how many games Orlando's winning this year. I think some people might be a little too quick to expedite them. I think a lot of their perimeter players are pretty flawed, and I'm worried about their spacing. Those two, Wagner and Boncaro, I'm really interested to see how those two fit together. Yeah. I've, Wagner is just, he's a, a, such a unique player that I enjoy watching it. I think they're going to be a classic NBA hipsters, overrate them this year. Yep. And then next year, they'll be more prepared to actually win games. Overrate them because they're intriguing and they're, Probably going to have times where they're fun to watch, but that doesn't always translate to immediate winning. For sure. What do you think? We want to hold our predictions until after we talk about our good friends at game time? Sure, let's do it. Well, guys, I know nobody wanted there to be a game seven for Phillies Diamondbacks that's watching this show, except for I know we do have one Braves fan with the Braves logo in the chat. So we forgive you, I guess, maybe, not really, but... Game time is the place for anybody who wants to get on and look for affordable tickets to game seven or the Sixers upcoming home opener or one of the many Eagles games that are, you know, they're just cruising along right now. So game time is the place to go to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Killer deals on last minute tickets. And with their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets, start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. I keep bringing up Lauren Hill and the Fugees. I was looking forward to getting affordable tickets to that. And then Lauren Hill's vocal cords are just too stressed and shame on me. But game time. Did you actually buy the tickets? I thought about it, but didn't. And I'm really glad that I didn't. But look, part of the reason I considered it is that game time allowed me to see the seats that I'd be sitting in, all the affordable prices that I could get those tickets for. And there are exclusive flash deals on tickets for all kinds of events, football, basketball, baseball, concerts that Lauren Hill doesn't perform at, comedy, theater, and more. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So you don't have to, for, to, you don't have to plan months in advance because game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off of your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So I just I, I looked it up. Tickets for Game 3 of the World Series, where if the Phillies win tonight, Game 3 is the first home game. What do you think the cheapest ticket is? $400? Twelve hundred and twenty-three. So if you're going to be shelling out that kind of money, you want to make sure that you know what you're getting into. Yeah, I mean that's 
That's where the value of see having the the sight lines from the seat is so. And again, don't get mad at game time for the prices. That's just supply and demand. Yeah, because the, the game time guarantee means that's the right. cheapest ticket you're going to get. It's not like game time was charging a lot for the tickets out in Arizona. You know, that's why people were just buying tickets not to use. But in Philly, we do care about our sports. So you're going to want to know what you, that's a well, big number. God that's bless. I number. hope everybody who buys that ticket ends up being able to go to see the game. And they're actually in the World Series. We'll see. All right, so you want to move on to our next segment here. Yeah, I think so. We originally planned for today to be a three-man show and do all our predictions. Mm -hmm. And then Rich got sick and a Joel Embiid trade rumor came out of basically thin air. So we're going to save, I think, Sixers-specific predictions for, what, tomorrow maybe? Wednesday show and maybe Rich will rally and we'll get to have a three-man show. But for now... You're going to be subjected to Derek and I's takes for the broader NBA season. So I don't know where you want to start. But and absolutely nobody bookmark these. Nobody remember these. <laughs> these will all be wrong. All of them, all of them, all of them. I wouldn't say all of them. We might get a couple of these, but. No, I'm pretty sure everyone, just because I picked them, it will it will turn out to be wrong. Oh, that's that's no fun. It happens. So I guess, you know, we're, we're not going too crazy here. Uh, you know, we're picking MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year. Who wins the East? Who wins the West? A couple of off-the-wall predictions. I think it's probably stupid to pick the MVP before we pick like who wins the East and the West because they're probably pretty linked. So why don't we just start off with the team ones? I think we both ended up with the same team coming out of the East. Who do you have, Kyle? I hate to say this. Trigger it did, warning. It did pain you, didn't trigger it? Trigger warning yeah. for Sixers fans, but I'm picking the Boston Celtics to come out of the East this year. I, too, went with Boston. I gave serious thought to Milwaukee, of course. And if I'm being honest, like, I think there's definitely, like, a reality where one of Boston's big men gets injured. They're not the same team. They're not deep enough. It is possible to acquire guys later in the season, and I'm sure they will improve their depth somehow. But relying on Horford and Porzingis does make me a little bit queasy. But if... You know, first of all, I look at two things. Matchups, I think, in the playoffs are very important. I think Boston matches up pretty well with Milwaukee. And assuming there's no major injury, I just feel like they are the more complete team with fewer weaknesses to pick on. I think that perimeter defense, that that ability to switch one through four is going to be really good. I think they're going to have some bodies to throw at Dame. I think True Holiday is obviously a key acquisition, but an especially key acquisition for that matchup. And I just have more confidence in their overall diversity than I do with Milwaukee's. You know who somebody floated a really funny hypothetical yesterday because front court depth is going to be a big talking point with Boston all year. The second that Trez got cut, I saw a few tweets that were like, Hey, maybe he could be a late season acquisition for Boston. And I was like, buddy, I do not think that that is going to be the helpful acquisition that you think. Can you imagine him trying to hang with a a Dame Giannis pick and roll in the playoffs? No, I, I mean, even him playing backup minutes and that's Joel in the playoffs just absolutely murdering him. For... I'm not sure he can hang with like a Mo Bamba, you know, Patrick Beverly pick and roll. He's definitely not offering much resistance on Dame and Giannis. Look, I actually, I, I debated this one, I think, more than I thought because we've, ha- we've been having sort of like this internal debate for weeks now, if not bordering on a month. I remember having some pretty spirited debates out in Colorado. We've talked about this a lot. I think the matchup favors Boston. I think they're they're like I said, their versatility and the lack of weaknesses favors Boston. But at the end of the day, having 
what I think might end up being the most unstoppable two-man game in the league, that weighs very heavily on my mind. And there's certainly a reality, you know, we can get in the Bucks and the perimeter defense woes, that's certainly there. You could also see a lot of players on buyouts or a lot of players at the trade deadline being like, I want to go to Milwaukee, especially if they have a hole and I have a chance to play um, in a role that I can succeed in, compete for a title, and also show off for my next contract. You, you That team could change at the deadline, but right now I'm just more comfortable with the two-way uh, Celtics than I am. Yeah, so I would say this about Milwaukee. I think they're less susceptible to a Miami type upset now because yeah. they they can't get hit on their pressure points as badly as Miami was able to now that Dame can just get handed the ball and run the offense in fourth quarters and you get away from some of the problems they've had trying to play through Giannis, through Drew Holiday, etc. So I think that solves their early playoff woes. I think they're now and we talked about it a lot when the trades were made I think they're now probably in a worse spot playing against Boston specifically yep. because of how Boston tends to play where it's, we're just going to find the bozo on defense, line them up, force the switches and Jason Tatum's going to attack them. Jalen Brown's going to attack them now to a lesser extent, Drew Holiday will attack them. Like I think Drew Holiday as one of your two primary initiators was a problem for Milwaukee when Drew Holiday can attack Dame Lillard, we actually have seen that specifically in a playoff series. I don't know if you remember this, Derek, when they played Portland when he was in New Orleans, him and Anthony Davis ran absolute roughshod over the Blazers in that series. And so I would be worried if I were Milwaukee that I know they're both older now, but that could very much happen again. Drew could put him in clamps and then just destroy him on the other end of the floor as well. So I'm not super confident in Milwaukee against Boston. I think against everybody else, like if Boston were to lose a random first or second round series, I think we both think they're the top two teams in the East will be seated that way, barring injury. I think that will, they'll be fine. But I think once Milwaukee runs into them, I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And Milwaukee has some injury concerns. I mean, Dame's a, a, there's an injury concern there and they have less depth to overcome that. So if that hits, that could hit them harder than most. All right, let's move on to the Western Conference. I know you had a very creative pick for this one. Who you got, Kyle? Hate to say it because another rival, or not as much of a rival as the Celtics, obviously. I'm just going with the incumbent and the Nuggets. I think they have the least questions to answer. I think Phoenix's top-end talent is obviously great, and if they find a, a workable combination and figure out their lineups and things like that, Great, but here here's why I would fade Phoenix and pick Denver because I think they're probably the two top-line contenders out West. I don't trust KD's health. Yep. I don't trust Bradley Beal on a, a general level, but he also has not exactly been super healthy the last few years, and I don't love their depth at all. I didn't like – I know that the vibes were toxic with Aiton. I think Nurkic is cooked and kind of stinks at this point, and – I think they're going to need a real rim protector that they have no access to get because of how expensive the three core stars are. So I would just take Jokic and Murray and a team that I have seen do it now that now that they've proven they can win in the playoffs, I think getting over that hurdle, I think honestly it's upsets me to say this because I was kind of a Jokic skeptic for 
a couple of years there in favor of supporting Joel and all those MVP arguments. I think he kind of blew up all those arguments during that playoff run, and I don't know what stops them aside from health or a team outshooting expectations. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I think the Nuggets are the safest pick. There's just something, I, it's tough for me to pick the champion two years in a row. It just yeah. feels so boring and uncreative. And that's not how the league is going now, right? It's there's less it's been less dynasty potential and more parity yeah. and more and, hey, and, this team wins this I year. I mean the one the one recent example, obviously Golden State, but that was such a unique thing, both because of how they were able to draft them and keep them under rookie contracts or rookie extensions for so long, and also the cap spike. But in my like logically, I think you're probably right. I went with the Suns just because I, I, two reasons. One, I felt like the Nuggets was a boring pick. And two, I do think... I mean, to be clear, it is a boring it's pick. It's a very boring but. pick. And also, I again, matchup-wise, I think the Suns could be a little bit of a problem for the Nuggets. If you're going to beat the Nuggets, there's going to be a lot of focus on, well, how do you defend them? You really can't. You have to be able to score with them. And specifically, you have to be able to have the kind of pull-up um, jump shooting that can really put Jokic in a bind. And you just have to outscore them. You know, you brought up Nurkic, and I, I I think he's pretty cooked defensively. I think the one thing he can probably do still pretty well is, you know, the dribble handoff game and set good screens. That's true. That's and fair. I think with, with that trio of scores, I do think he will help in that regard. He's not going to try to, you know, pop off of a screen or, or really roll to the rim. He's not going to break that sort of screen early. He's going to set that screen and free those scores. I think he will be helpful in that regard. And, yeah, their depth stinks. They're going to be one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Maybe not, because like KD's still a pretty good defender. They have, KD kind of, can be part of a very good defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, there's a lot of concerns defensively, depth-wise, injury-wise. But if those three guys are healthy, I think they're the kind of, of offense that can just outshoot Nuggets. And again, I think the Nuggets are the safer pick. Uh, in my heart, I think I probably want to go with Golden State. Just because it's it's weird after winning all that winning, I still really enjoy watching them play, and I wouldn't mind them having a swan song like this. I just don't believe in Clay enough to make that gamble right now, and he didn't look all that great in the preseason. I think they're who I wanted to pick, but I just couldn't get myself to it. Yeah. So with the Clay extension stuff, that's kind of a weird vibe to start the year for them. I do think these guys have been together long enough that they can compartmentalize yeah. the business and and it looks like Draymond's pretty close to returning so that initial scare maybe isn't as, as severe as we thought yeah I just I'm not a big believer in them at this point I would love to be proven wrong because to your point one of the great crimes I thought of them I mean you obviously signed Kevin Durant if you can get Kevin Durant when they did it was a once in a lifetime opportunity but the league just got less interesting for those few years. They were so good that it yeah. was just like, why even bother? I think it was what people thought the Miami Heat would be during LeBron's tenure there. That was how I felt about the Kevin Durant Warriors. When they were healthy, it was just like, we can just pack it up. We don't really yeah. need to pay attention anymore. So I, I agree. I like that core group. And I think they're vulnerable enough that they're still – it's been compelling when they've been the best team in the league or close to the best team in the league. I'm just concerned about where they're at on the aging curve. Clay's not as good defensively anymore. I guess Kuminga taking a step forward would be their path to getting into that inner circle of teams. I they don't think that's have, crazy. They actually have better depth than I think a lot of the other contenders. 
uh, especially, I mean, Phoenix, we just talked about, but even Nuggets, like they lost, like top six Nuggets are still really strong, but they lost some some key pieces from last year. Um, Warriors depth is, is pretty good uh, with some intriguing young players. Could have been even more intriguing if they, you know, didn't whiff on a second pick of the draft or at least traded him before he lost all of his value. It still, it still blows my mind how such a well-run organization can make such obvious mistakes. And I thought that was an obvious mistake at the draft. I thought holding on to him was not. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They still have some depth and some improving players, like you mentioned, Kaminga. Um, I just, I don't believe in Clay like I used to. And I'm interested to see how Chris Paul fits. And I think he could help them a little bit. Uh, and I think Steph is a malleable enough star where he can, you know, make that work as a tandem. It really, and you worry about him holding up for sure in terms of Chris Paul. It really is. If I thought Clay could get back to Clay, and that those injuries he suffered were devastating and it just right took him right out of his prime. I just don't have faith that he's going to get back to where he needs to be. Yeah. And this is going to be probably an unpopular opinion because it always is. And I wish rich was here for it because we're both marks for him. I'd love to see Chris Paul get a yep. ring at the, the end of his career. I don't care how he gets it, get him the, the Gary Payton Memorial in Miami ring. Uh, we didn't touch on the Lakers at all. That's just a, I think LeBron, as great as he is and has been, asking him to be the title-winning, title-driving player at this point is not really realistic, and I'm not as big of a believer in Anthony Davis as other people. I think they're in a spot where Anthony Davis has to become the best player on that team right. and has not been so and not been healthy on a consistent basis. So I fade them a little bit. One other thing on Phoenix before we hit our last ad break I think if we're trying to assemble a good defensive team or rotation, I do think Devin Booker has taken steps forward on defense. Oh, he's big time. And he's gone from too. like, I see a lot of people questioning, like, do they need a point guard? I don't really think you do. Like when you have yeah. guys, you can create like KD and Booker, both for themselves and for others. What you need is not take their, the ball out of their hands. Yeah. You need players who will space the floor and make those reads easier and give them space. Like when you have two guys like Booker and KD, KD, who the other team has to send two to the ball almost every time they put it on the floor, just get spacing around them. Like, don't take taking the ball out of their hands because you don't have a true point guard just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, so if you have KD and Booker, KD, good defender, Booker, much improved defender. I don't know where I'd place him between good to very good, but he's definitely there at this point. I think Josh Okoge historically has been a good defender. So they can put lineups on the floor where you have – three good defenders, maybe four, depending on if Nasir Little is healthy and actually get some burn in the rotation. You can get some decent defensive lineups on the floor. It depends on, like, what are you giving up on offense to get there? I know that's weird to say when you could have Booker and Durant on the floor at the same time. And also, Beal is going to play a lot of minutes, and I think he has been a train wreck defensively for most of his career yep. will he just try more now that he's in phoenix that's definitely a possibility but that's why i would i don't like banking on guys who have not competed hard on defense their whole career all of a sudden just oh, i'm a good defensive player now yeah he's he's always been weird because he has sort of the tools to at least be average and you wonder how much of that was usage and then how much that usage turned into bad habits and can he break those bad habits now that his usage is going to drop i'm dubious i've never been a very big Bradley Beal fan, uh, and certainly would have noticed that when we talked about potentially acquiring him in a trade with one of the worst contracts in the league. But we will see what happens. Before we get to the final segment, uh, which we still have quite a bit to discuss. We have a few yeah, more. This might be a long to. one today, we'll see. Before that, a quick word from FOCO. 
Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms, and with it now being football and tailgating season, it means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, Foco has. And Foco has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. Foco always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. All right, so we have the two team sort of based things that we we're talking about. I want to save MVP for last. Rookie of the year. Are we going to, either of us going to talk ourselves off of Wemby Island or are we just going to go with? Here would be the case if you want to go against Wembenyama. He might not play enough. He might get hurt yeah. or they might pull him from games and load manage him, whatever. Yeah. And Scoot, I think, is good enough and frankly exciting enough that if he impresses and Wemby only plays, I don't know, 50 games and Scoot plays 70 plus games, then he's got, well, now there's the rules around all the league awards. So we have to watch that for sure. But yeah, I think at this point, now that I watched Wemby play in the preseason, it was a little tough to, obviously I was, I'm super bullish on him long-term as everybody else is. But when you watch him in summer league, it's like, this is not the environment for a big man, even a big man with his skills. And now that he's playing with actual NBA personnel, it's like, oh my fucking God, this guy is incredible. And it's going to be able to clean up for so many people's mistakes. And he's going to do something basically every single game right. that is like, have I ever seen that before? He, I mean, he had some blocks in the preseason where it's like, how the hell is he that big that he yep. could get to that? So yeah, it's his award to lose. And I think both of us are probably in agreement on that one. The only reason, look, I think there's a chance he could, his efficiency could end up being less than you would hope for. And I think there will probably be some think pieces of, oh, can Wemby turn into an efficient number one option when it's just that players of his age tend to be inefficient, especially on high usage. We talked about this a bit in the past when the Sixers were sort of like drafting towards the top. Low efficiency, high usage young players tend to work out well development wise because you have to have a lot of skill to have that kind of usage early on, you then learn how to turn that into productive and efficient NBA offense. But I think the thing that will save him is his defense. He might legitimately be a top 10, top 15 defender right from the moment he steps on the floor. Again, as I mentioned, defense tends to trend earlier with big men than it does any other position. I think he will be a major contributor on that. And, and uh, my only concern is, will he play enough? CJ made an interesting point in the comments Said Chet's going to win Rookie of the Chet Year. Chet was my backup. Chet, if, if, if Wemby doesn't play enough games, that, again, that's my only concern, Chet is my backup. Because I, I think playing on a good team and playing a key role for a defense will help elevate him in the limelight. Yes. And so let's say now Chet staying healthy and playing a full season is certainly after missing an entire yep. year, that's no guarantee either. But let's say, as we were talking about with Oklahoma City, let's say they win 50 games and Chet being in the lineup essentially causes them to win 10 more games than last season, that would be a development that is going to send shockwaves across the league. And you're going to be looking at them, and Derek and I will talk about another award here shortly. You're going to be looking at them for every end-of-season honor, All-NBA, MVP, Coach of the Year, certainly Rookie of the Year. And Check could potentially have – he might get too much credit, but he's going to have a big impact on that team. And if they take that giant step forward – there will be a lot of people who say 
This is the the team first argument. They win 50 games. This guy made a big impact, was very good. And I care about that more than Wemby putting up a bunch of stats on, frankly, a team that still probably won't win many games this year. Agreed. The only, like, I think there's a chance that the Spurs could be just really conservative with Wemby and, and, and load management. And, and they should be like they this, should be. this year doesn't really matter. That's the only way I think he loses the award though. And I'm just, I, I'm not going to go into a season saying like, Oh, I think, I think the team might be too conservative and he can't win the award. Like that's just a, yeah, I can't. It's, you price it into it a little bit, but ultimately yep. he's so good. And so frankly exciting that will just catch people's eye that it's going to be tough to unseat him. If he just plays the required amount of games. Agreed. Coach of the year. You know who my pick is. I'm, who did you pick? I, I haven't seen any of your predictions, Derek. So That's true. To... We, we, we did both make our pr- predictions uh, separately, but he, Kyle then sent them to me afterwards. I picked Chris Finch. Okay. I oh, think... so, all right, we're going to get into it on this then because one of my – we have off-the-wall predictions that we wanted to make, so we're going to tie it in here. So okay. give me your argument. I mean, I think Minnesota Wolves, Timberwolves coach, by the sure, way, for anyone yes. watching who's not aware of Chris Finch for whatever reason. First of all, I think he's a good coach. I agree. That's probably not as big of a consideration as it should be, but I think I think that's worth mentioning. I think the Wolves could end up winning a good chunk of games, a lot of that coming on the development of Anthony Edwards. But I think there's been so much focus on this is an oddly constructed team, or at least they they paid too much for Rudy Gobert, and we can pick apart you know, towns and their salary cap hell and the luxury tax bills that are forthcoming. But I think they have, I I think Edwards is just going to explode. Like one of my, I didn't put this down, but like I could see him pushing close to 30 points per game. I could see him exploding in a, that was almost one of my bold predictions. It was my, if we came up with two each, that was probably my third. And I think driven by him and McDaniels and a whole bunch of other players improving, I could see them winning again, mid forties games, playing themselves out of the play in tournament, potentially even challenging for a four or five seed. And I think with that improvement will come a lot of recognition to the coach. And I think he will be a contender. Okay. So I'm going to offer you Derek asked for two bold predictions. Here's one of them for me. Carl Anthony towns gets traded in the middle of this season. That doesn't change my prediction. So, well, okay. I think the reason he's going to get traded is this is going to continue to be kind of a train wreck. And despite the fact that Ant, I think, is on this you know, straight line up and looks like he's ascending, could be a 30-point-per-game guy. I think with new ownership, seeing, hey, we're going to be a tax team, they just give, gave a big extension to the better McDaniels. Gobert is obviously not going anywhere because he they gave I mean, up a million picks for him. You mentioned better McDaniels. It's not even close. Oh, like, it's yeah, almost like the Vaughn brothers. Close. Yeah. So they have the better McDaniels who's making, what was it, 135 so over like five that, years, yep. something like that. And they're going to see all this in the future. And I think they're going to wake up and say, we're moving cat when it's time to move him before things get too expensive. We can still get a good haul for him and it's going to free things up. We can play one big man. It'll be a traditional big man. So not the juice, the offense, space, the floor type guy. The cat is, I just think that that is a situation that they got to move one of those guys and they can't move Rudy. And Ant is going to be like, what the fuck are we doing here at some point sooner, probably rather than later. So I think cats getting moved. I predicted in season. I don't think it'll probably happen, but if I had to say 
there's a star player who's not James Harden that gets moved no. between now and the deadline. He's number one, top of the list. I don't disagree. And I still think they're going to win 40. Again, I don't think they're going to push 50, but I think they're going to win a, a good amount of games. I think that the Cat Towns duo will be the next thing to change, especially when you start looking the at Cat the luxury Towns duo. Book. I'm assuming you meant Cat and Gobert. Yes. <laughs> uh, I was probably thinking Gobert and Towns. And I just no, said Cat I, for some reason. I feel you. But I think that's the next thing to change, especially not only because the fit on the court is poor, because they're not really additive of each other, and it's a lot of money to be spending if they're not additive, but also because that luxury tax bill, like we just mentioned with the McDaniels extension, it's a massive luxury tax bill. I don't think they're going to pay it. So I do agree with that. I just think that the young talent is going to transcend, and they're going to win. Again, I'm not saying 50 wins, but I think they'll win enough where I think he's going to be there. Okay, so then the segue into my coach of the year pick. This is drum roll, please, on the pronunciation since it came up earlier. <laughs> Mark Dagonow with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think that's right. I think I think you got it. I'm pretty sure that that's yeah. correct. I'm just buying all the Thunder stock as. And now, look, I will admit, I'm getting trapped in the NBA hipster cycle that I make fun of a lot of other people for. I think there is a decent chance because of how young they are, they just simply disappoint everybody this year and they yep. might win even if they win 45 games i think would be good for that it's a five win jump i believe from last season but i think if they're not like a top half of the west team there will be people who start saying things like oh they're not as good as people think they are and blah 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 so i'm buying in on the thunder i think dagano i've been a fan of him for years i think he's willing to do some weird shit some as we were talking about earlier some ultra small lineups will play a six, eight guy at center, spread it out. They'll run. And they did things that I think helped them inflate their win total when they didn't have the talent. And now that they do have talent, they do have depth and they have a guy who I think is going to be a potential top three, top five MVP guy again in Shea. I'm just buying in on them. And he fits to the point of Finch. He fits the profile of a guy who would win coach of the year. Yeah. It's a, a young team on the ascent, those guys win coach of the year awards unless there's like a juggernaut 65-70 win team that wins all the awards. So I'm all in on the Thunder. We'll see how that goes. I skipped over one. Uh, you have your finals matchup of Boston-Denver. Who do you have winning? I think the Celtics finally win yeah. this year. I'm, it pains me to say it, but... I agree. Oh, sucks. I have Celtics over Suns. Terrible. Just terrible. Or but just cancel us right now. Yeah. I, I can't believe a Sixers podcast would do this, but what it, are you going to do? This is going to get even darker. Who oh, do you yeah. have? Who do you MVP have? picks now? Who do you have winning MVP? I'm picking Nikola Jokic to win the MVP because yeah. I think it's the ultimate apology MVP tour coming. I think I'm worse. I have Jason Tatum. Oh, man. Here's what I'll even say. We're going to get excommunicated from Philadelphia. I, I don't think. even think Jason Tatum will be the best player in the league this year. I just think that team could win 58, 60 games. And when you have a superstar on a team winning 58, 60 games, they tend to win MVP. That doesn't mean he'll even be a better player. And especially because, like, the, the additions they made. Like, for example, like, Dame might take some of Giannis's scoring numbers, right? The, the Drew Holiday is probably not taking... Tatum scoring numbers, even, 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 even someone like Porzingis might take a little possessions, but they're so additive in the spacing or in Drew's case, additive in their defensive versatility that I think it's going to help the team without really hurting Jason Tatum's numbers. And J Tatum could be almost the exact same player as he was last year. And I think he'll be getting heavy consideration for MVP. 
just because I expect them to win a barring injury a shit ton of games. I think that's fair. So for me, the Jokic case is easy. The numbers, He's the best player in the league. The numbers will be ironclad as they have been every year. Like so much has gotten and. We have avoided this, I think, you and I, Derek, where everyone tries to say, oh, he's the... Jacob the- now calling us the Boston media mafia and the Jokic <laughs> So I think people get trapped in the Jokic is the analytics guy, blah, blah, blah. If you just look at his basic box score numbers, the guy's numbers are absolutely <laughs> insane. And I think coming off of the finals win, yes, there have been some changes. They lose Bruce Brown. They maybe have six guys that are like real guys, but... He is going to put up numbers and they're going to win a lot of games as long as they're healthy. And honestly, he's one of the guys in the league I'm least worried about getting hurt because he just yeah. doesn't really jump. So there's all the impact injuries that you're worried about with a Joel or with wing players and guards. I'm just not really worried unless he like blows a hamstring or something that he's going to suffer any kind of devastating injury that these other guys are susceptible to. So I think coming off of last year where there are a lot of people who felt he unfairly got boxed out by Joel for that award coming off of the title and being as good as he is, I think this award is his to lose. And I think he's going to go out and win it again. And we're going to have to talk about three-time MVP, Nikola Jokic. Certainly a chance. Certainly a chance. I mean, he's the betting favorite for a reason. Uh, that to your point on games played and injuries, Tatum over the last two years, 76 and 74 games played, certainly factored into my decision there as well. All right. So we had a couple of off the wall. We also, Elliot in the comments says, are y'all completely defeated? Is there no hope? I would say absolutely not. I think Derek and I, relative to the fan base, have been yeah. pretty positive just, throughout not, the offseason. Your just, guy's not going to win MVP every year. And I don't think the Sixers, uh, this will come up tomorrow. I don't think the Sixers are going to win enough regular season games to challenge for that award again. Yeah. We're going to get into all the Sixers predictions tomorrow. And you'll see how high we are or are not on the team promise right. you that two off the wall slash bold predictions league wide so i already gave one of mine so you go first so i have two i have i think zion's going to average more than six assists per game i think this is Ooh. one area of his game that's been underrated a little bit he's improved every year when he's actually been on the court uh, and they're going to play him a lot at center with a lot of shooting around him and uh, teams are going to send four guys at him i think he's going to like when you talk start talking about a guy his size passing over people i think he's going to have a lot of avenues doesn't necessarily mean he's an elite playmaker, but I think he's going to have so much opportunity and that he is improving in that skill. He is healthy to start the season, I think. I, honestly, I was thinking of going six and a half, seven. I dialed myself back a little bit. Six assists per game or more for Zion Williamson. Okay. Here's my second bold prediction. And Derek was floored when I told him this walking out of the facility yesterday. I think the Memphis Grizzlies are going to miss the playoffs. I think... The John Morant situation is a lot more volatile than I think people are giving it credit for. Guy's going to miss 25 games, which that's already a... He has no other injuries the rest of the year, no other suspensions. That's 25 games without your best player. Right before the season starts, the Grizzlies come out and they announce Steven Adams is going to miss yeah. the entire year because he had to get a knee op- or knee procedure to deal with something that took him out of the mix at the end of last season. And I don't think Steven Adams losing him on his own is the biggest of deals. But I think when you take it into consideration of the broader context in Memphis, I think Jaron Jackson needs somebody like Steven Adams to allow him to be the player that he wants to be and that Mm -hmm. makes him his best self, right? Where 
He doesn't have to guard the true centers. You can unleash him as a weak side rim protector. You don't have to worry about foul trouble quite as much because if if Jackson's out of the lineup because he's got fouls, you have Adams as a sort of metronome. You're bringing in Brandon Clark. I just think having him as the full-time center where he's got to do center things and not play the hybrid role, I think that might be a recipe for disaster. And I just don't like what they have left over now between Derek Rose and Marcus Smart. Like I like Smart generally. I hate saying that as a former, he's a former Celtics guy, but I think if all the pieces were in place, I'd like Smart a lot, but they're like one injury away to Smart or Desmond Bain or one of these guys. They could go completely off of the cliff. And so there's just too much nonsense surrounding Ja for me to bet on him right now. Now, if the Grizzlies woke up tomorrow and said they'd trade Ja to Philadelphia, I'd be like, great, give up whatever you need to do to get him there. And you take the risk on all the the personality stuff and hope a change of scenery works. But there are a lot of red flags that continue to come in with him. So that's my bold prediction. We'll see sure. where they end up. But I think uh, I think I'm higher on Jaron Jackson as a center then perhaps you are. I think there's some concerns of him holding up for sure, some rebounding concerns. But in terms of maximizing his defense and his floor spacing, I'm not too concerned about that. I like some of their depth. I like adding Marcus Smart. I like Bain a lot and, and wish the Sixers could have found a way to get him in the draft. But it all comes back to Ja. And nobody really knows how that's going to unfold, how often he's going to be in and out of the lineup, whether or not you can count on him. There's certainly a lot of volatility there. I'm not sure I'd go missing the playoffs entirely, but I understand the sentiment there. On well, the, it's, it's a bold prediction. Sure. I didn't want to be like, oh, the Grizzlies are going to lose four more games right. or whatever it is. It's right. like we're right. trying to have some fun here. Like, but Will I, they actually miss the playoffs? Probably not. But if I were going to bet on an extreme outcome, that's right. the one I think but I would go with. But if they keep with. together, you could see Taylor Jenkins there as a potential coach of the year. Again, going back to our previous conversation there. Uh, the other one I had was I think the Kings are going to take a step back, um, hover around Ooh, 500. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, there's two things that I'm not completely buying. First of all, their defense is garbage or at least close to garbage for as close as you can get for a team that won 48 games, just a really bad defensive squad. I don't see that changing. And they were pretty much historically healthy last year. And I'm not, I, I'm not predicting injuries, but it's tough to have good injury luck like that two years in a row. Yep. So when you combine their, um, you know, their defensive concerns, the fact that I think teams weren't really prepared for how fast they were going to play and it maybe caught some of them off guard. And the fact that, you know, you have a couple injuries to key players and I, I could see them taking a step back. That doesn't mean maybe the overall trajectory isn't going in the same direction. It just means progress is sometimes a little bit like this. As I would say, it's not always linear. I could see that people expecting maybe 50 wins this year. And by the way, the West is really crowded and really deep. Like well, I was going to say, all our predictions, by the way, have been based in the West. So that yeah. tells you, I it, think we're in the same mindset. It's just we pick different teams right, right. to kind of hit on. Um, but as, we'll focus a lot on the top two in the West and the Nuggets and the Suns because they're the, the most obvious title contenders. I think they deserve that. But when you start talking like three through six, three through seven, there's a lot of teams that are right there and that could really move around. I think it's going to be tough for some of these teams like the Kings to replicate last year. Uh, so that was my other one. All right. Well, I think it's probably about enough yep. for today. I think tomorrow we'll see how Rich is feeling, but regardless of Rich's presence, Derek and I'll be here to do all our Sixers predictions, lots of over-unders and some of the same stuff we're doing here. And then Thursday night, 
You got the opener. And we're starting to get some uh, Knicks fans, I think, finding their oh, way into the chat. So, you know, hey, all, all. Ty says it's a fair swap to give up a bunch of shit the Knicks don't want for Joel Embiid. Yeah, I'm sure you do think it's fair. Guy who would love to have Joel Embiid on your team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like like Kyle mentioned, we will do uh, Sixers-specific predictions tomorrow. Thank all of the wonderful people in the chat. Thank you, Kyle, for jumping on. I'm sure you have some parting words here. Yeah, if anybody, if you guys would like to hit the thumbs up button on the way out, subscribe and hit that notification Even bell. Even Ty, so. you, you can join us again sometime <laughs> in the future. That's fun. Hit that notification bell so that you can see us in the future, hear us in the future. But thank you to Ronald. Thank you to Ty, even though you're an Embiid hater. Joaquin, Jacob, Randy, Elliot, Anthony, Brandon, Neil, all kinds of people in the chat with us today. Two-minute warning. I know you're in there because you're here every single day, and we will be back with you guys tomorrow afternoon. Thank <laughs> you.